Welcome to Australian Music Podcasts, or AMP for short, produced by Hugh and Rod with Joe and Luke to provide histories and critiques of the first 50 years of Australia's sometimes progressive, other times just peculiar rock and pop music. In the podcast, we discuss a particular stream or genre of music and then also present our own musical tribute as we celebrate on all that's good and very occasionally bad in Australian music. Welcome to our podcast today and we're going to talk about electro-pop or synth-pop or whatever you want to call it. Australia kind of cottoned onto that in the early 80s. Yeah, well, that's when it was all happening internationally, wasn't it? And, you know, we were neither before or after it. By that time, video clips were huge and record companies were distributing around more quickly and we were watching bands like, you know, Ultravox. You know, Bowie was already doing it for a while. Gary Newman. Yeah, Gary Newman was was getting big. And, of course, you know, we mention it every episode, but Countdown was starting to show these things and the influence amongst young kids was actually immediate, wasn't it? And I guess it was. And I think one of the first bands we're going to look at today is, is, is a band called Real Life. Oh, yeah, well, they were very successful. They, they, they were very successful. And like a lot of these other bands which we'll explore during, during the course of this discussion, they started out as a drum machine trio. And then they did okay. have a drum machine and they called it Gloria. Was it a Roland? Well, I think it might have been a Roland CR78. And I actually have one in the garage. Ooh. We gave it a name too. We can't repeat that here. Ooh. But um, they did start out with a, with a, as a drum machine trio. They had two big hits. They had Send Me an Angel. Send Me an Angel. Send Me an Angel. That's one. And and Catch Me on Falling. They didn't develop on their their earlier promise. No, but but, but because of their synth sound, I know they were big, like other Australian acts, they were big in Germany. And and they, they were catching on in America. And actually, I remember one other thing about them. It was one guy answering an ad in a muso paper. As you That's do. how they met each other. No time wasters. That's right. Yeah, no time wasters, <laughs> no that's right. Wasters. And well, 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 the drum machine obviously wasn't a time waster, but they got a drum, drummer later. One of them got a guitar, I think. I'm sure they played guitar. But the track we're going to hear today is... Catch Me, I'm Falling. synthesis in there, yeah. I'm sure that's a drum machine. But I'm sorry, I think it's got good production values. I love it. I love the, I love the, the vocals. Sounds like they're through a vocoder or... At the beginning of the record, they certainly were. This next band is actually um, a little bit more arty. They were, they were more on the art ambient end of the spectrum. Experimental. And, and, yeah, so the Severed Heads. Now, an interesting tale about them. The, the, the biggest influence is this guy called Tom Ellard, who is you know, known as them. But actually, it was started by two guys, first Richard Fielding and Andrew Wright. And so the music develops quite oddly. 
There's a good story about them. Uh, Their small record labels was finally swallowed up by Virgin, which they didn't like much because Allard thinks of himself as a good performance artist and all of that. So Virgin arranged this special concert for them in London for all the dance audiences and all the people at a big dance night out. And they did 30 minutes of just ambient music. Oh, they would have loved that. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, before they were Severed Heads, they, 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 they had to change the name of the band. Before Ooh. they were Severed Heads, they were called Mr and Mrs No Smoking Sign. Really? Probably a good move to change the name, I think, from that. Well. They made a cassette. A cassette. Yeah. Remember those? Remember cassettes? Yeah, they used know, to distribute cassettes. Oh, yeah. that's right. What's and a cassette for our younger listeners? The cassettes, right. a thing you put in a cassette deck. Yeah. They, um, but they were a bit short of time, so they put this track called Dead Eyes Open at the end of the cassette to fill in the time and of course that became a great hit and because they hated it and it was too commercial for them and everything the, the samples of the of the vocal were taken from an Doesn't old truly reflect our from own. an old 1940s movie or something about the dead eyes opening and um, and that's what we're going to hear today okay severed heads dead eyes open Indeed. Yeah, yeah. Look, people can read more about that, but, you know, all praise to them for being artful, experimental, even if one of them didn't in later years even recognise that song as a one of their best. What's the most well-known? Well, it is, yeah. They've traded off it very, very well, and they were very, very popular in the underground scene. Look, uh, let's call them a bit left field, a bit further to the centre, way out into commercial land. There's a band that formed out of festival studios with an advertising bloke called Terry McCarthy, put his head together with Mark Moffat, who was very much the engineer and in-house producer at Festival Records. So this is back in 1979, right? So I would thought it was a bit later, but the song is called... What will we be singing in the 80s? That's the question everyone was asking, really, in 1979 and 1980. Oh, that's right. And what was the answer? Little did they know that we'd be singing along to Gated Snare and and Prophet Fives and DX7s and what have you. Yeah, for you non-musicians, they're instruments of the time. And we'd all have big hair. They wouldn't have, they couldn't have thought of that. But this is the, this is the monitors. The, 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 the vocal part was actually sang by pop singer Kim Durant. She was a festival stable. The, yeah. But in the film clip, it's um, lip-synced by... 
Gale and Gillian Blakeney, who Gilly people Blakeney's may course. remember from the TV show called Wombat. Oh, of course we remember. <laughs> of course, everyone remembers Wombat. Yes, all our international <laughs> listeners will remember that. <laughs> uh, let's have a listen, because it's certainly a production number. It may have been influenced by the Buggles. Who knows? But that's the type of thing that happens in pop music. I didn't know I wanted to laugh or cry The night that the school died The ladies and lights were kicking up my dancing shoes But there was nobody dancing inside Let the song begin The moon is listening in Certainly, uh, it it was a hit, despite that sound. It uh, provoked sort of visceral responses. Doesn't well, it? not not much substance in the song itself, but the production's good. Oh no, it's very interesting. The, the, of course, the, and the monitors kept going because of you know Mark Moffat being the in-house producer and Ricky Fatar joined them, the, the the great Beach Boy who played on Holland, and later, of course, that was the nucleus of a band with Stuart Darietta is also in it. So that, that they were a nucleus of good musicians that also backed Tim Finn to a certain degree That's as right, well yeah, on his yeah. solo album. And there's a lot of good technology happening at the record, and that 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 kind of kind of leads us into a discussion of what what drives the electropop sound. You know, I think well, I guess it was technolo- technology in terms of drum machines, but the sequencer was a big part of it. Well, you hear the sequencer exactly. And I know who you're thinking of. You're thinking of the New Zealand band Mysex. My sex, yeah. yeah. Yeah, because the the beginning of their song is, is a big sequenced yeah. riff, isn't it? Well, well, it is. I mean, they're not not that My Sex weren't an electro-pop band as such, but yeah. probably their biggest hit, Computer Games, is all built around a sequencer and, and little computer-like blips. And even yeah. the vocal is kind of... Even his vocal sounds like a synthesiser if yeah. you listen to it. So let's have a listen. Uh, we notice, you know, we're doing this podcast sometime mid-2019 and we notice they're doing a 40-year reunion... Um, oh, uh, in like Sydney of, of their album. Uh, unfortunately, Steve Gilpin, the lead vocalist, is no longer with us, but let's have a listen to his you know, really well-produced computer games. Australian music podcasts.
couple of things before we leave My Sex. My Sex, the title was, I think it was from an Ultravox song, wasn't it? I think so. Called My Sex, yeah. and Ultravox was very influential in those days. Peter Dawkins, who was a famous record executive in Australia and New Zealand, was the guy responsible for them. I got a quote from them. There's a journalist called Jonathan Green who's prominent these days, and he wrote, using such stunning language about them, early in his career in 79, he wrote... The New Zealanders played one of the best sets I've ever heard from them. It was crystal clear and as tight as could be in a live performance. What better praise could you have than that? Indeed. Jonathan Green, what a wordsmith. OK, I reckon the Reels wrote the best pop songs in Australia there for a year or two. They, they had, it, as the DJs would say, hit after hit after hit. Now, we're going to play what the critics say is their number one song, but they had Love Will Find A Way, they had Prefab Heart, they had According To My Heart, they had After The News, Shout And Deliver, and then they started doing, you know, covers. They had the beautiful uh, uh, album, The Bad Moon Rising. What yeah, a that's version right. of that. This Richard. Guy's In Love With You, also off the beautiful album. Um, yeah, they even did It Must Be Love, uh, Love Grows Where My Rosemary Goes. But their original stuff, I think, when they had Craig Cooper and, and oh, gee, who was the other keyboard player? Um, the girl. Karen. Yeah, Karen. Karen. <laughs> Sorry, I can't remember what band. She was from the Romantics anyway. Karen from the Romantics. And they also had Colin Newham, uh, Newham and, and he was fantastic. They were such a good band. And they won critical acclaim for this song. Now, you know, it's quite beautiful lyrics, which, I, which I'll mention after the song. But let's play it first, uh, Quasimodo's Dream. You mentioned um, the Bruce Landers, so that was their original name. That was their original name. They came down from Dubbo. They started out with guitars as a normal band. Uh, I actually saw them as a matter of interest in the 1978 Sydney University Architecture Review. They were the, the Bruce they were Landers. The, they were the pit band, the Bruce Landers. Oh, fantastic. And then shortly later, they got rid of the guitarist and got another extra synth player and came out with this fabulous electro oh, pop. Yeah, well, it, it, it was. Kind of that they were great because they had, you know, at some stage, no guitars and just mm. synths and, and, and a bass player on a stage. Look, I, you know, the, the lyrics are really good if anybody, you know. No one knows what they mean, of course. Oh, well, to a certain degree, yeah. Dave spoke about in later years, you know, Quasimodo's dream was the idea of. You know, settling down and having the having the you know kids and a nice family and a house and all of that, which he said he never wanted to be in Quasimodo's dream. But the little pithy lines he has: "Fame won't alleviate heartache, love won't annihilate uh, annihilate hatred." 
they're, they're really nice rhymes as you scan through it. They're, mm. they're not bad. For some reason, those lyrics became the, the music industry's uh, top ten favourites. It is one of the, the last it, it, it's often often touted as you know one of the top ten best, best Australian records yeah. of all time. Yep, well worth a listen with headphones on. There's some really nice synth sounds in there, and similarly with the Machinations. They're on the white label from a Mushroom Records, which was where Hunters and Collectors started. And, and strangely, the Machinations were part of a stable of bands produced by Lobby Lloyd. A Lobby Lloyd of all people. You wouldn't think that, you know, no. kind, of, kind of shredding, sort of loud... Hard loud, rocker. Hard rocking dude like Lobby Lloyd. Back from the Billy Thorpe days. <laughs> because Machinations are another band that started out as a drum machine trio. And okay. then added things later, you know. Tell us about the drum machines that were around in those days. Well... I think the development of the drum machine, the early drum machines were just the ones that you got with like a, with a home home organ, like that went... But um, I think the big breakthrough was when Roland came up with the aforementioned CR78. Right. Um, so what, the same one that we heard on um, Catch Me, I'm Falling before. Catch Me, I'm Falling and those ones. Okay. But then, then later on, I think the Roland TR808 was a... Well, thousands of records at TR Radio 8. The CR78 was name probably... One. Uh, I can, I can name on, name one. I can name a CR78 one. Okay. It's uh, something in the air by Phil Collins. Oh, right, okay. Jealous Guy, the Roxy Music version. Oh, okay, yep, um, right, excellent. It was the first one that was ever programmable as well, although it was I mean, it was a, it was a bitch to program, but it was programmable. Right. That's not the wooden one that you have hanging in your garage. That's one, it? yeah. It doesn't work <laughs> anymore, but it's still there. Why'd you keep it? I just kept it just to, because it looks kind of good in the studio, you know. Yeah, who's impressed by it? <laughs> <laughs> girls. Yeah, girls. Yeah. Well, I suppose... Let's hear the machinations. Yeah, let's hear the machinations. Uh, <laughs> we're going to listen today to Precious Way. <laughs> So it's sort of funky pop with a lot of synth in it. And a bit of a kind of um, a new romantic influence there too, yeah, especially yeah, yeah, in the vocal, sure. the Simon Le Bon kind of type vocal. Yeah, Fred... Yeah. Um, Fred Lonergan. Yeah, it's either Lonergan or Lonergan. I could never work it out. Lonergan, I think. He was a very good performer. Uh, you know, he really, really, you know, gesticulated and, and, and he was a very impressive... Uh, They're a good band, you know, and then then again, it's middle, middle, middle of 2019 here, but they are playing at Pato RSL in July. So yeah. Do you know, a, a strange thing, do you know who produced them at one stage? Two huge pop producers, um, Bruce Brown and Russell Dunlop. Now, they, they, I just don't associate them with a, with a, a sort of a pop avant-garde band yeah, like the Machinations. Russell Dunlop's kind of old school, isn't he? he was yeah. Back, back, you know, like, he, he, was, he was a drummer originally. That he, exactly. Yeah. Russell Dunlop and Bruce Brown obviously produced a band we haven't even touched on this series, Mental As Anything's Cats and Dogs album, which is a superb pop album. Anyway, there we go. And now we're going to talk about two quite oddballs. And talk about oddballs, you've got to watch the film clip for this this song coming up. Now, this is The Dissociatives 
which of course is Paul Mack, but it's Daniel Johns, one of Australia's most famous and enigmatic pop stars from Silverchair. From Silverchair, so Paul Mack. Paul so, Mack. I mean, we're moving moving now into the you know into the two thousands. But Paul Mack, if you look at the list of things that he's been involved with, it's like a who's who of Australian music in the early two thousands. You know, the you know, Silverchair, as you say, Kylie Minogue, Kath and Kimmy wrote a film script for them. Uh, gorillas, uh, the blur, blur thing. Was well, and also, so, uh, weren't the presets were huge still? Who's involved in the presets? Yeah, I think the some presets, of the presets yeah. were actually yeah. in the dissociatives. Mm. So I think uh, that the, you know, so the presets might have evolved even out of the dissociatives. And he produced a silver chair album, yeah. and, and he and, and played keyboards for silver chair. Yeah, look, it, it's interesting stuff. Just to see where they're coming from. D- dissociation is a, is, is a psychiatric affliction. It's the separation of normally related mental processes resulting in one group functioning independently from the rest. So, look, this is a song, and it's called Horror with Eyeballs, but watch the clip for it, everybody. The dissociative's Horror with Eyeballs. Watch the clip. All of this time on my hands So far has gone Defeating my animals I'm just going to make it fast As a home is to choose All paper pages And scarecrows swing on a night I've got that time So, you know, so distinctively Daniel Johns in some ways when he gets that beautiful melody, mm-hmm. melody arising out of quite the musical complication that he sets yes, up sometimes. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But this time with Paul Mack, it's even more sophisticated in the background. Adding those beautiful textures too, because, of course, Paul Mack is in, in his other reincarnation, they're called Stereogimus. Ooh, is a remix. Mean? It's a remix kind of deal, you know. He, okay. He, 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 he's, a, he's a remix guy. Well, one of the best in Australia mm. in the early 2000s. Anyway, I, I was always very keen on this little association called the Dissociatives. Round about the same time, another electro band was arising out of Sydney. They were called Sneaky Sound System. Now, I was always very keen on Connie, the lead singer. I think she's great. I, I think she joined late in the piece, though. Yeah, I, I well, well, she joined yeah. about once they started having hits. But but the two guys that started, Angus MacDonald and Damon Downey, they were already hits from 2000, 2001, 2002. They were performing around town in clubs and, you know, they were popular on the East Coast. But when Connie joined, they, it really lifted them and they became a commercial dance synth band. And I reckon they're just really exciting. This song... This song is called UFO. Okay. This is probably their biggest hit. Okay. It's, it's very, very commercial and it's a great, great song. I love it. Okay, let's have a listen.
Australian music podcasts. The good thing about the synth pop and electro pop that came out of the 80s is that, you know, a bit like Sneaky Sound System that we've just listened to, it led into a huge EDM movement, a huge dance movement that for once made it easier for technology, but also because of the, the internationalisation of such a scene. We have now have our own electronic dance musicians really popular around the world, you know, Flume being the most prominent example. But it's a real area that we're succeeding in, you know, fantastically well. And there's so much new stuff coming out in EDM too. It's a bit like rock and roll used to be, you know, it has to regenerate every week, you know. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> certainly something that, that, that um, electronic music is doing in Australia. Now, listen, well, you know, one of our favourite segments is here is when we produce our own numbers as a homage or as a tribute or, <laughs> or as a satire. And this time we've got um, Joe, Hugh and Rod. But this time Rod's really predominated. And, Rod, you've done a song called fabric of time it sounds a bit redolent of the 80s countdown hits definitely or even better the, the, the title could, it could also be the fabric of time remains intact I, I read an interview with brian eno and he refuses to use delay pedals apparently because he said they destroyed the fabric of time and in the interview in the magazine they had a picture of a delay pedal and underneath they had actually had that line the fabric of time remains intact well look <laughs> uh, uh, under one of your production names let's say this is Fabric of Time by Rodwall. Echo the 
Thanks for listening to this episode of AMP, Australian Music Podcasts. Our main sources for these special AMP podcasts are essentially our fading memories and quite erratic music industry experiences. But there's always invaluable material from writers such as David Nichols, Ian McFarlane, Glenn A. Baker, Anthony O'Grady and the Miles Ago website.